We're going to talk this morning about being engrafted into Christ, engrafted into Christ. And that is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. King James Version says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, that's the King James translation. And, uh, you know, there's a little red Bible like this big called the Translator's New Testament. And uh, if you travel internationally or if you live international and you don't know the language, then you can use that translator to New Testament to try to uh, help you translate for uh, the language of the people that you're ministering to. And in there, uh, it tells you that the two words in Christ um, should never be separated. They're actually a technical term. And uh, if you study, you'll find that Paul... There's only really two main places in the New Testament where in Christ or in him or in whom uh, that type of term are used. And um, really only by two authors, two main authors. Uh, The first one is Paul. And he has the most occurrences of it, uh, of course, throughout his writings. You've got more than 134. You have 132 that actually literally say in Christ, in whom, in whom. But then there's other ones that you can infer, you know, like in the Lord, uh, those type of things. But then John is also the other one. And that is, you know, remember when John said, um, speaking of Jesus, uh, John wrote what Jesus said. And Jesus said, uh, I in him, speaking of Jesus in God, and he in me, and I in you. It's the same phrase. So we're talking about you abide in me and my words abide in you. It's the same type of technical term as if any man be in Christ. So uh, they're telling these translators in this Bible, don't take out, don't just think like that's just some preposition that we added in the English language just for filler space. It actually is a term and, um, uh, that's technical and shouldn't be separated. They're saying, like, if you're going to retranslate other things, paraphrase other things, that's fine. Don't paraphrase in Christ. Don't change in Christ. Uh, one translation says, if any man be joined to Christ, or one other translation says, if any man be united to Christ, Amplified translation says if, and that's what we use for the graphic, if any man be engrafted into Christ, he is a new creature. And so what I want you to see and what I want to see more clearly than what I've ever seen is the power of our connection in Christ. The power of our union with Christ I think that's uh, Weiss translation says, if any man be united or in union with Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold or look, everything has become brand new. Like this changes everything. But for today's message, what I want to bring out, so I'll tell you ahead of time. Sometimes you tell people later, let them figure it out, but I'll tell you ahead of time so you can think about it. And that is, if you, if you look at your life and you, um, 
look at that verse and you say, well, if old things passed away, why do I still do these bad things? Or why do these things happen? Why do these old things try to like resurrect themselves? If the word of God says old things have passed away. And um, if the word of God says, I said there's like 130 some uh, direct in Christ, in whom, in him, through him, with him, by him. Well, if this is really true, how can I be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ? I misquoted, I accurately quoted, I meant to misquote. How can I be more than a conqueror? Well, the point is because all of the in Christ um, realities or the reality of being united to Christ, you only experience in Christ, in that connection. In other words, if you um, live your life apart from the revelation or the knowledge in your spirit that you are united with Christ and you say, well, I can do all things. That is not what the Bible says. You can do all things through Christ or through your connection with Christ or through your link to Christ or through your oneness with Christ. How can two walk together if they, uh, unless they be in agreement or unless they agree? And so we're not gonna do anything uh, significant for God except what we do in Christ or through our union with Christ or by our union with Christ. And so this is probably uh, one of the most significant revelations that you can get out of the word of God is who you are in Christ. Because if you don't know who you are in Christ, well, you're gonna be acting like the wrong person. <laughs> and you're gonna think that's you. I'd love to preach this message to a youth assembly at this school. Because you have people here, this is a middle school, uh, so you have uh, young people here that are uh, having extra hormones that they've not experienced before and extra thoughts and then they got lots of pressures and all of that and not that any age doesn't. But uh, typically middle school is such a transition time from being like, kind of like a child to being a youth that it's so significant that then uh, the devil tries to uh, use well-meaning people and sometimes uses ill-meaning people uh, to devastate the life of young people because he wants them to identify with something else. Of course, it's gotten so bad that he doesn't even want them to identify with their natural gender. You know, I'm not trying to get political, but uh, the point is the extreme to which the thoughts that the devil would try to bring to uh, young people or people of any age. Why? Because if he can get you to identify with something, you will act like that and you will experience that. I mean, some places of the world, if you identify as an American, so if you go and you dress American and you act American and you talk American, you are a target for the enemy. I'm not talking about that, well, it'd be through, via the devil, but I'm just talking in natural things. Because people that have it out for America, uh, they, what do they do? They identify you as American. You know, so therefore, when I was in the military at different places, we were told, you know, we had to uh, change how we dressed, change how we acted in these different things in order to uh, 
stay safe in those areas. So it's important who you are identified with and who you are identified as. Because when you're identified with Christ, Man, Christ defeated the devil. He defeated all of the power of the enemy. There's none, none of the power that the devil has or thinks he has that Christ has not defeated, that Christ has not conquered, that Christ has not gone to the very headquarters of the enemy himself and defeated him right there at the headquarters. So if you can see who you are in Christ, then you're a victor over the devil. You're a victor over every demon. You're a victor over every circumstance in Christ. So if you're going to fight the battle, you better be fighting the battle in Christ or in your connection with Christ. If you try to fight the battle the other way, you're going to lose and wonder, why am I losing? I am a believer. God lives on the inside of me. And God is thinking the same thing. (laughs) What are you doing? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And he's up there looking at you like, hello, I gave you all these tools. You're doing this in your own power and your own strength. If you do this in Christ, you'll be successful. So let's look over at... um, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members. I like, I think it's NIV says, put to death therefore your members um, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, the covetousness which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these. This is speaking to believers. So it's be if you're a believer here this morning or you're a believer online, this is written to you and it's written to me. So it's telling a believer to put these things off. So you're going to have like these, uh, you know, the way the the Lord spoke it to me, um, you know, the Lord speaks to you normally, I guess, all the time, how you could understand, in language you can understand. Somebody somebody from Texas, he's going to speak about oil. That's oil from where I'm from. But I have a friend who kept telling me like how to barbecue this. And he's like, I get some oil. I'm like, some what? Some oil. <laughs> so how the, Lord, how the Lord spoke to me about this was uh, I love to jog. I loved. In fact, when I fell yesterday, I said, my legs work, praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I can run. Uh, so I like to jog. 
I don't really like it. And I've had several friends. I was in the military, uh, and I went to a, where I have my um, tech school. Uh, there were also firefighters that had tech school there. Well, I don't look like your typical firefighter. I don't know if you've noticed or not. So this, this guy, man, he was big. I mean, like, his arms were as big as my leg or bigger. So he'd walk like this. He said, Tim, he said, let me take you to the gym. And I thought, I really can't lift near anything like what you can lift. I know, I don't have to guess. He's like, oh, he's like, no, I'll bulk you up. It's no problem, it's no problem. And so he's like, let's go to the gym. So we go to the gym, and he puts me on the bench press, and I said, I don't know, just the bar with a few weights, you know, not very many because I was not that strong. And so I start doing this. I did it for like maybe just one or two days at the most because when I went back the next day, he had me max out as much weight as I, he's like, oh, okay, you did that. And I could, I was barely doing it, you know, breathing. He's like, you can do more, come on, do more. So he just has me max it out because he's like, oh, let's go for it. We're gonna, we're gonna get you, you know, bulked up. <laughs> Oh man, for six months, this is not an exaggeration. I couldn't hardly lift anything. We went back, just the bar, which is like 45 pounds, I think. I couldn't lift the bar. I was like, you know, it went totally backwards. So I like to exercise outside. Some people like to run on a treadmill. That's not my idea of fun. And so I like to be outside, so I don't like being in the gym. And um, so I strengthen my leg muscles. So if I were to go to climb like, uh, you know, some rocks in the mountains or something like that, and I'm going to go rock climbing, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use my leg muscles predominantly because I have strengthened my leg muscles. I'm comfortable with my leg muscles. And that's where I, like if I get in situations where I'm trying to do uh, construction or different work and you have to like lift your hands here, no, 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 no. I get down on my back and I push up with my feet. Because <laughs> I've, I've got strength there. So I always go to that. And so uh, I think I was actually jogging one day, funny. And the Lord spoke to me about this. And he said, you know, it's kind of like how you have strengthened your leg muscles. You're going to use those. In almost every situation you encounter where it requires strength, you're going to go to your leg muscles. You're going to favor your leg muscles. So if you're climbing a mountain and you get to a point where you have to use your upper body strength, you're stuck. Me. You know, maybe not you, but me. <laughs> because I have strengthened these muscles, you know, all the way down. But I have not strengthened these muscles. And so, spiritually speaking, you know, you're a three-part being. You are a spirit. And you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you live in a flesh and bone and blood body. And... So if you live out of your flesh, just saying whatever you want to say anytime you want to say it, and thinking what you want to think anytime you want to think it, just living, living out of your mind, reasoning things out, trying to figure this out, figure that out, rather than out of your spirit, which through the word of God with the Holy Spirit is how we're supposed to live. But if you live out of the other parts of your being and you do it again, and again, and again, and again, all of a sudden you start to get like my, not that my leg muscles are maybe that awesome, but you start to get like strong leg muscles, so to speak, in your soul realm or in your flesh realm. 
You ever had like um, a sugar addiction? Not clinically. I just mean like, because I, I could like sugar. I'd, and um, when I've had times when I just ate a lot of sugar, I learned many years ago, uh, as soon as you stop eating sugar, man, it's hard. And you're like, this is horrible. This is horrible. But if you go two or three weeks and don't have any sugar, or even better, like a month, and you have like a banana, you are flipping out. It's way too sweet to eat. <laughs> but before that, give me a piece of fudge, man, and I'll have another one, you know, like double, triple chocolate. Because I've given in to that. And so, and I'm not saying the sweets are bad. Sweets are good. In moderation, right? <laughs> they taste really good. But that's something that maybe uh, doesn't make anybody too feel too uncomfortable because most people like sweet things. And, um, but you could strengthen yourself in that area. So you just got so used to it that you don't even realize how much sugar you're eating. I used to work, uh, man, I'm it's military day today. So uh, I worked shift work a lot in the military, and um, that meant, means that you worked like uh, some of the jobs I worked. Um, we had three shifts. We worked days, evenings, mids, and some of the jobs were days and mids. Pretty much every time on the mids, there was always somebody who would come to work on the midnight shift with a two-liter bottle of Mountain Dew. <laughs> and they would drink that thing all night long to stay awake. And then sometimes that wasn't enough. They would want more. Well, they became like addicted to Mountain Dew. And uh, they became desensitized to it so that they were so used to it. But you know, that's not what, you know, uh, medical or nutrition people would call healthy. <laughs> I don't think it's healthy personally either, but I'm not a nutritionist. But you get addicted to it. So what happens is we are in Christ but we start drinking Mountain Dew to stay awake. First, we just start with one can. But then that kind of wears off, and so now we need two cans. And then we find out, you know, it's a lot cheaper if you buy it by the two liter. <laughs> but I'm not really going to drink the whole two liters. I just start out drinking half of the two liters. And then before you know it, within a month, they're drinking a two liter bottle of Mountain Dew. And... Um, You know, there's a lady that uh, went to Bible school, went to seminary, got her degrees, and, um, you know, she went, and she first heard, she heard uh, Kenneth Hagin teach this, when she first heard it, she just took two or three of the in whom, in him scriptures, and she meditated on those, and she wrote them down by hand, and uh, meditated on those for 30 days. And she said, after that 30 days, I feel like I've been born again all over again, like for the first time. Well, why would that be? Well, she just then started to catch a glimpse or get a little hint of who she actually was supposed to be. It's like a racehorse. And you've got a racehorse doing dressage. And they're doing all these cool movements and, and this and that and everything. But man, that baby was born to race. And you take that racehorse, even untrained, out to the track, and you get them there, and you just say, go, everything you got. And that thing is like, I was born for this. Well, we were born to live in Christ. And we were born to let loose who we are in Christ. And we're trying over here to do dressage. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're a man, you might not want to do dressage. It's kind of pretty. 
It's like all graceful movements and hold your nose like this. And, you know, I, I, I took some lessons when I was young. And I mean, you don't have to do this. The horse does. <laughs> you could if you want. But you ever like try to like feel like you're like a square peg trying to fit in a round hole? And you're, you're, you're like, why is this not working? What is going on? How come I'm not really connecting? Well, if you're a believer and you're thinking that about the word of God and the things of God and the blessings of the Lord, your problem is probably right here. If any man be united to Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you want and it'll be done for you. I mean, we could close right now. If you live in me, if your source of life, your source of hope, your source of help, your source of sustenance is in Christ, and you keep it there, you live from that place, you will experience the blessings of the Lord. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Let's look at... uh, Ooh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Well, actually, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 4. I'll start with uh, verse 1 in the Weiss translation. I beg of you, please, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, order your behavior in a manner worthy worthy of the divine summons with which you were called, with every lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, doing your best to safeguard the uh, unanimity of the Spirit in the, bo- excuse me, in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as also you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one placing into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, one God and Father of all, the one above all and through all and in all. But to each one of us is given the grace in the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he says, having ascended on high, he led away captive those taken captive and gave gifts to men. Now the fact that he ascended, what is it except that he also descended into the nether parts of the earth? The one who descended himself is also the one who ascended above all the heavens in order that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some on one hand as apostles and on the other hand as prophets, still again some as bringers of good news and finally some as pastors who are also teachers for the equipping of the saints for ministering work with a view to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the uh, experiential, full, and precise knowledge of the Son of God, to a spiritually mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, in order that we no longer may be immature ones, tossed to and fro and carried around in circles by every wind of teaching in the cunning adoredness of men in craftiness which furthers the scheming deceitful art of error but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him 
in all things, who is the head Christ, with whom all the body constantly being joined closely together and constantly being knit together through every joint of supply, according to the operative energy put forth in the capacity of each part, makes for increased growth of the body, resulting in the building up of itself in the sphere of love. Now, I wanted to read the first part, and then I want to focus here on the part I'm getting ready to read, but I, I like to read it in context, because sometimes you take stuff out of context, and you don't, you're not even, you don't get the full impact of it, and sometimes you make a big mistake. Like you think, oh, I just take this verse out of setting, you know? What's the saying ministers normally say? If you just take a, pick a verse, you know, Judas went and hanged himself, go and do likewise, <laughs> right? So you can make the Bible say anything you want to say. Don't do that. <laughs> This, therefore, I am saying and solemnly declaring, verse 17, this, therefore, I am saying and solemnly declaring in the Lord, that sounds like a confession, that no longer are you to be ordering your behavior as the Gentiles order their behavior in the futility of their mind. You hear what he's saying? He's, he's, gonna, he's getting ready to say what he's, his main theme. Don't try to live the godly Christian life in the flesh the way you used to live anymore. This changes everything. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Look, everything has become new. If you don't look, if you don't pay attention, if you don't heed this, you'll have the Holy Spirit of God himself you know, in the presence of God himself, living on the inside of you, and yet you'll live just like other Gentiles or non-believers live. You know, it's like the lady in England, you know, she, she used to work, was a servant for um, one of the people of nobility there, and um, when that woman died in her will, she gave uh, this servant of hers this picture and so, well, she thought it was a picture. So she had it framed and put on the wall. Well, actually, that woman, uh, the servant, was so illiterate, she couldn't read. And so somebody was over visiting her house and saw, like, this was signed by that uh, person of nobility and royalty. And so they said, do you mind if I take and have that examined? She's like, oh, no, go ahead. They had it examined and found that she had willed this servant of hers uh, multitudes of money and finances and the woman was just barely surviving and barely living but she had written like the power of attorney we talked about she had it in writing legal she had access to it it was hanging on her wall and she treasured it but she didn't realize what was behind it and what actually it contained many times we're like that as believers yeah, I'm born again. I've got the spirit of God. Yeah, I do. Okay. So I'm going to go do, I'm still going to go do this. I'm still going to do this. But you have, like you're sitting on a trillion dollars. I mean, you can't equate God to finances, but you understand my point. Who being alienated from the life, okay, let me back up. Uh, this therefore I am saying and solemnly declaring in the Lord that no longer are you to be ordering your behavior as the Gentiles order their behavior in the futility of their mind, being those who have their understanding darkened, who have been alienated from the life of God through the ignorance which is in them, through the hardening of their hearts, who being of such a nature as to have become callous, abandoned themselves to wanton, wantonness, resulting in a performing of every uncleanness cleanness in the sphere of greediness. But as for you, not in this manner did you learn the Christ, since indeed, as is the case, you heard him 
And in him were taught, just as truth is in Jesus, that you have put off for all with reference to your former manner of life, the old self, who is being corrupted according to the passionate desires of deceit. Do you hear that? According to the passionate desires of deceit. What do you think that means? The passionate desires of deceit. Well, I think you can figure out passionate. You can be passion, passionate for Jesus, but you can be passionate for another person. You can be passionate about sports. You can be passionate about hunting. You can be passionate about dressage. <laughs> or quilting, or I'm trying to hit lots of different areas. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not passionate in that area. But you can be passionate, let me hit myself. You can be passionate for jogging. Passionate desires of deceit. He's talking about passionate desires of deceit. Well, what is deceit? Well, deceit is not really like an outright lie. It's more like a white lie. <laughs> like you're deceiving. In other words, you're trying to make people think, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's a lie. Uh, it's false, but it appears real. It's deceitful. Like, have you ever been deceived? I have. I do not like being deceived. Like I plead the blood of Jesus over myself all the time that prevents deception and stops every attempt of the enemy to deceive me. Because the problem with being deceived is you don't know you're being deceived. You think it's real, you think it's true. You think it's the way. And so all of a sudden these thoughts will come to you. Oh, this is, this is what you need to do. Uh, look at the temptation the devil gave to Jesus in the wilderness. All of the temptations. You know, you need to eat. I mean, you've been serving the Lord. You came out here. Uh, the Spirit of God led you out here. Don't you think you deserve to eat? Shouldn't you just command that stone to become bread? You should just eat. That's what you should do. What does that sound like? Well, besides the devil. It sounds like the realm of reason, doesn't it? Like, well, it should be this way. You should have this. Brother Higgins said, anytime you feel mistreated, you know that the devil is working on you. So all of a sudden you're like, well, they should do this for you or they should do that for you or why don't they recognize this or why don't they recognize that? You know the devil's trying to get in there because why? If he can get you to live apart from your connection with Christ, apart from your oneness with Christ, he will defeat you every time. You cannot win in that arena. You can only win in the arena of faith, and the arena of faith is access through Jesus Christ. It's through your faith in God through Jesus Christ. And so we connect to God through Christ. Well, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were made by him and through him. And without him, nothing was made that is made. So if you're going to live by who you are in Christ, or you could say you're going to live by who you are in the word, that means you're going to have to abide in his words. If you abide in me, or his words have to abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it will be done. So if you live your life united to me and you let my words live in you and through you, then you'll ask what you will, it'll be done. So, I, you know, um, uh, I love getting light on this subject 
because it makes uh, what you are experiencing that you don't want to experience or what you're not experiencing that you do want to experience, you can understand a lot more why you don't and why I don't because I make choices uh, unconsciously or consciously to not live by who I am in Christ. And the reason we do that is because uh, we don't understand it. We don't have light on it. And the reason we don't have light is because that comes from the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Uh, the entrance of his words brings light. I just wanted to give you that one example. Moreover, they that are being constantly renewed with reference to the spirit of your mind and being constantly, uh, excuse me, and that you have put on once and for all the new self who after God was created in righteousness and holiness of truth. And so uh, we're going to look uh, probably next week at a couple other references. But um, time and again, Paul reminds the believer, he reminds you and he reminds me, you have been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Everything has changed from the inside, from the very core, the building block of who you are. And you have to live in light of that if you're going to have the blessings of the Lord if the Lord is going to be able to uh, do what he wants to do in your life. Do you understand like when the devil attacks you and um, comes against you and bad things happen, uh, that's not the will of God? He doesn't like that. He doesn't desire it. He hates it. He's a God of love and a God of grace and a God of mercy. But he's also a God of justice. And um, uh, if someone chooses uh, to not accept Christ, he will not force them. Demons try to force you. God does not try to force you. But he tries to give you every opportunity, every advantage, so that we make the right choice. Well, you know, uh, same thing's true. You know, I had my little accident, and I could have, like, realized, you know, I thought when I was doing it, you know, this probably isn't safe because this is at too steep of an angle. But... I was in a hurry and I wanted to get more stuff done. So I was not walking in Christ. And thank God for the mercy of God. <laughs> you know, when we do that, that's funny, praise the Lord. It just hurts when you smile. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's not the will of the Lord. And he's trying to stop you and prompt you and give you direction, and he's actually doing it if you pay attention to him. You know, if you look to the inside, you'll find he's there. You know, when I say to the inside in my illustrations, if you've been here for any amount of time, I say, that's that way. <laughs> no, no, this is the flesh, this is the spirit. I say, I got confused myself. <laughs> but if you look to the inside, you'll find out he's right there speaking. But the problem is we kind of like, uh, like Paul said, you can sear your conscience. And so we start not paying attention, not paying attention, not paying attention, and we don't stay sensitive to what the Spirit of God's saying. And then all of a sudden we think, the Lord never speaks to me. Well, if you look down on the inside, the Lord is constantly speaking to you. It's you're not paying attention. You're doing other things. Well, the Lord is constantly there to lead, to guide. If, um, and so... If, if um, the Lord could figure out a legal and just way to protect you from what you have 
done or what you're getting yourself into, he would do it, and he did. And that was through Jesus Christ. And so uh, the commandment in the New Testament that we have is the commandment of love. And if we walk in love, that keeps us under the protective umbrella that God has placed. But as soon as we get out of love, for God is love, and we start to act out of love, well, selfishness is not love. Or, you know, many other things, you know, you know them as well as I do. We get out from underneath that protection. And the Lord wants to help us, but if, if in him is life, and in him is health, and in him is provision, and so we're under that umbrella, and we experience all that, and then we choose by not walking in love to go out from underneath that, and then we think, well, what's the Lord doing to me? Eh. We have made the choice. We either just reasoned it out or were tempted by the devil and yielded to it, didn't resist him, but he's still right there, and if you are in love, whoo, you're right back there. So in Christ, uh, all the blessings of the Lord are yes and amen through him. So we want to stay in him, and we want to live in him, and the way we do that is, you know, find two scriptures this week, and you just meditate on those and chew on those all week and feed on those, and you'll find you're going to be, by next Sunday, you'll be like, whoa, this is good. You'll be like, I read this last week, and it was cool, but now it's like, you'll read the exact same verse. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. By next week, you'll be like, did you see this? Like, it actually says, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. And the somebody, if they didn't meditate on it, they'll be like, that's cool. You'd be like, no, 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 no. Maybe I didn't say it right. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I'm a new creature. Because you have light. Why? You got on the Holy Spirit's territory and you allowed him to reveal and to unfold the reality of who you are in Christ. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is full of life and full of power. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that you'll put on our hearts uh, the two scriptures that you want us to meditate on and, and grow in and see. Father, we thank you that your spirit brings us revelation and brings us light, that we see and that we know the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.